Welcome to the Write It Down podcast with the 1513 Network. I'm Brooke Murata, bringing you one-on-one interviews to challenge, inspire, and encourage. Up next is former LA Raiders cheerleader, Denise Villanueva. Denise was a former director of marketing for the Disney Regional Entertainment. She also served as president for the Magic Johnson Enterprises and was also former spokesperson of the Vegas Raiders. She shares about her time being a Raiderette, the magic of football in the 80s, and so much more. So sit back, relax, and get your pens ready because this is Write It Down. Welcome to the Write It Down podcast. I'm your host, Brooke Murata. I'm so excited to bring on this next guest, Denise Villanueva. Uh, she is a former Raiderette, um, a Raider Nation cheerleader. You're the first cheerleader I've ever had on the podcast. So thank you so much for joining us today. I was gonna say, are you gonna do a chant or a cheer? I don't know if you prepared something for me, but Uh, oh man, I'm excited. We, I'm I'm your cheerleader too today. Thank you. I love what you're doing, and I'm so glad we had a chance to to meet and connect. And thank you very much for having me on. Absolutely, we met what maybe two weeks ago on the phone. I think it's been. Yeah, I think it was about two weeks. And we bonded right away. It was just a a fun conversation. Another friend through Marcus. And we got into some really good discussion. I was like, man, I need to get her on the podcast. She has so much wisdom and so much. um, You really have a lot of joy, which I really enjoy talking to you because you bring a level of joy. And I know the listeners are going to just love the stories that you have to share. I, for one, being a girl, can't wait to girl talk because I talk to football players and athletes, which is a huge privilege, but I'm also like, let's get some girl talk because I would love (laughs) to hear a little more about the cheerleading side and the fashion side of things. Um, So why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about what got you into cheer, specifically pro cheerleading? Sure. Oh gosh. Okay. So this was kind of a funny story and the fact that I really didn't have any intentions of being a professional cheerleader. I, um, at the time, was working at a restaurant, and we used, it was a sports bar uh, kind of place, so, you know, all the games would show. And in walks in two Raiderettes and two Raider players, and I was the hot dog girl. <laughs> <laughs> this is back in the 80s. So, uh, you know, it was just fun, a fun time. It was a really great place to work, and it was just before I was heading to UCLA to go to college. And so they walk in and I literally was enamored with them because they were just having so much fun. They were interacting with everyone, they were constantly laughing. And then they're like, so what do you do? And I said, oh, well, I'm gonna go to UCLA. And I'm like, you should try out. And I'm like, what? (laughs) And now I had been a cheerleader since, you know, junior high school and all and in sports, but I just, my intention was to try out for UCLA. So it was just kind of interesting to meet them. But I was just drawn to them. I thought, yeah, they're having a good time. And that wasn't even in my realm uh, to be a professional cheerleader. So, you know, I really am thankful for just that experience, that moment to change my mind. Um, And so I go to tryouts. Little do I know, there are a thousand girls there to try out to be a Los Angeles Raiderette. I'm like, 
what? A thousand <laughs> you know, they girls? They don't tell you that. Wow. A thousand girls. And it was just, you know, it was full of energy and also nerves because it's like, it's so unknown. But luckily I made it. Uh, I was 19 at the time. Uh, it was 1984. And they have you try out every year. So all I know is it's a blessing that I was able to do it for eight years. Uh, and then I retired. But uh, it, it just was a fascinating experience. And you know, at that time, the Raiders, I mean, they were off such a high. They were just off a Super Bowl win. You know, Marcus, the SC standout, was the Heisman Trophy winner. And then he wins MVP of the Super Bowl. I mean, it was kind of off the charts. Right. Uh, energy and, and what was going on in that stadium. And then you just really felt, I don't know, I think um, just really kind of a part of a powerful organization, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe I would say is a good way to define it but wow can you describe to me what like the cutting process of cheerleaders like entails because like I've, I've said before I've seen like the Dallas Cowboy um cheerleader whatever show that's on I don't even, see I don't mm -hmm. even remember the name of it but I remember watching it but I what was it like back then with a thousand girls like what is the the process of dwindling it down and and how big is the roster of cheer for NFL yeah so it, it varies by team but for the most part the Raiderettes have been a team of about 45 oh wow and then more recently 32 um, so you're in these four lines around the field. And so you're either in an eight or 10 or 11 person uh, line, you know, that's how many people are in your line. And um, especially back then they did it all in one day. So at that time they had only had one other squad, uh, the 1983 girls, which I just can't even imagine going to Super Bowl and then a victory and what that would experience. Well, I can't imagine because I tell the stories. <laughs> yeah. It's so great to be a part of it. Uh, you know, I had I wasn't even remotely thinking about it then, but I, so I came on the next year. But it was really in LA, especially just you know, just so much celebration. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what drew so many girls mm -hmm. to the tryouts. Um, and you really had like a really diverse group of girls. I'll have to say, I think it was very reflective of LA. I think we kind of have always been known for diversity, right? It's like the person sitting next to you looks nothing like you than the person across from you and to the, you know, to the left of you. Um, but so you go through three things. First, it's really just, um, you fill out an application and they take pictures of you. Um, and you're in like these at the time, so eighties too, like very fancy gowns, getting stresses and they take a picture of you and then you go in for an interview and so there's a group of about you know oh no I'll call it 20 and there was about 20 judges uh, too so you go up on stage you're by yourself and but they ask you about three or four questions and then that's it for the interview process and then you you watch the other girls who are in your group uh do theirs as well and then after that um then you break out into additional groups and you perform a routine. Um, so they teach you an eight, eight, eight counts uh, for a routine. And then you perform that routine. And basically they're just the whole time the judges are sort of paring it down. Um, and I actually got to be a judge later, which was really a full circle moment. So I'll have to tell you about that too. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was really cool. Uh, so then, you know, it's like literally, I don't know, I think we started like it. 
eight in the morning and then you wouldn't find out until like midnight, one o'clock in the morning. So you were spending all day in this huge, you know, room, usually in a hotel ballroom kind of thing, and just on pins and needles wondering, are they going to call your number? So they do it, I think, a little bit differently now, but, but I will say this, they do bring the veterans back um, to just go to finals, which is with the rest of the girls, because they have to make it every year. Wow. Um, which is also nerve wracking. Oh, my word. <laughs> because I think, I think once you experience it and it's so awesome, you don't want to give that up. Right. You know, it's like you just hope and pray and you try your hardest that, you know, you make it back. Uh, but yeah, so it's a really long day. Um, but what's kind of cool through the process is everyone's going through the same experience, mm -hmm. right? So you're meeting new friends. I mean, I didn't have anyone that I went with to tryouts. Like I didn't have a friend of mine where I go, Hey, come on, let's try it. I just did it myself. Wow. That's <laughs> bold. Super shocked, you know? Yeah. Walking in the room, seeing, you know, uh, all those people. But then I did, of course, connect with the two girls that um, were at that Monday night football promo. And so they were very encouraging and that's kind of fun. And then you just start to meet the girls and spend time. And then it's the wee hours of the morning and they call out the numbers and it was pretty cool. Wow. It's a cool experience, but you know, a little nerve wracking, but yeah. Well, especially since also you, very exciting. Well, especially since you made it, it's like, well, we know how the story ends, <laughs> but I can't imagine like how it felt to yeah. not make it. But I feel like for myself and the way I would ra rationalize it if I didn't make it was like, okay, Brooke, there's a thousand girls. But now I look at your story and I'm like, there's a thousand girls and she made it every time. That's incredible. <laughs> that is absolutely amazing. One thing too, and, and maybe you would bust a myth here for some people you don't make a lot of money as an NFL cheerleader. A lot of y'all have diff other jobs as well. So what's the pay like? Um, obviously, it's way less than the players, but what does that look like? Yeah, so for us, uh, in fact, at the time, we were the highest paid NFL cheerleaders um, at the time. Uh, but no, it's not a lot of money. And, you know, everybody has something else going on um, most at the time because again i think i was you know it's 19 a lot of the girls you have to be 18 to try out but i think they just for some reason it's like i mean certainly an age spectrum mm -hmm. but a lot of the girls are just like in their early 20s and so like i was at school going to school i also worked two other jobs i don't know how wow. i did it sometimes i think how the heck did i do that but i guess in the moment you just do it yeah <laughs> But uh, but yeah, so you so you definitely have to have another job. You kind of think of it as more uh, part time or a part of your life. Um, but it does. There's really great opportunities in L.A., especially when they, you know, again, right off Super Bowl win. It was just such a glitz and glamour time for the sport. Um, I mean, we were on television shows and, um, you know, got lots of promotions and corporate events that were very high paying. So you almost could mm -hmm. make it your full-time gig. Um, right. But it's not all in. It's not a lot of money. But, you know, that's it. And you get paid, like, per game? Yeah, you get paid per game and then per promotion okay. uh, or event. And then we also always all committed um, in a big way to philanthropic events okay. and community service. So we were always – I mean – Really, I still think about like so many great experiences. Like we would go to the children's hospital and then, and then again at the time, you know, Raiders, Commitment to Excellence, mm. <laughs> Pride and Poise, Just Win Baby, all that hype and Super Bowl champions. 
um, people were really excited to see you and meet you. And that uniform is very iconic. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's literally been the same uniform. I mean, a few adjustments since 1978. Oh, wow. Uh, the team started, or the Raiderette started in 1961. Uh, but there was iterations of the uniform. But once it hit kind of 1978, and it was actually um, a Hollywood um, costume designer who came up with it, John Brandt. Um, it's virtually been the same. So it's kind of a very iconic thing. So we would show up places and, uh, you know, people were just happy to say hello, take a picture, get your autograph. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. No. You, you uplifted them and they uplifted you. I'd say. <laughs> okay, so this is this is a, a detailed question in a way. Did some of the girls try out just to get access to NFL players? If so, were the ones that weren't, if that wasn't their motive, um, were they able to sniff out the girls that weren't there for that for the right reason? Yeah, you know, I think we were really fortunate, um, especially just, to, I mean, I could speak directly to my years, mm -hmm. right? So 1984 to 1992. Um, it was just a, it was sort of like the place to be. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so there was a lot of excitement and you, it was just drew people in. Um, and then you have people who were, you know, dancers and people who were athletes and, maybe actresses, models who sort of, you know, it kind of fit their personality to be in it. But I'd say by far the vast majority were not there to meet the players. It was a really common question we would get, you know, like, oh, do you, do you get to meet the players? And we're like, yeah, those are our buddies. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> you know, those are our friends. So um, not really. I do think, you know, occasionally, look, it, it can't be 100%, 100%, right? Mm -hmm. So occasionally yeah there was people who kind of felt like what's up you know that's not cool what, what are you trying to do but we were one of the few teams where you could date the players mm -hmm. um so i think that actually helped us become friends mm -hmm. i mean that's why i'm so you know marcus is like a brother to me to this day yeah. uh, marcus allen because we just sort of from the get-go you just establish your friends yeah. um and we spent a lot of time together uh the players and the cheerleaders like after every game, <laughs> we mm -hmm. would go out and celebrate. And um, I mean, even to each other's special events throughout the years, even as we get older, you know, it's like marriages, births, mm -hmm. uh, other celebrations. And, and also through some hard times, too, we're there for each other. It's really a camaraderie like no other. Like a family. Yeah. And we've, we've talked about that a few times about how Raider Nation was really like one big family. You mentioned that you were one of the few teams that was allowed to date the players so the nfl has rules or used to have rules in place for certain teams or like each team got to decide yeah each team really um and i think this is still true today just don't quote me for sure but i think it's still true today the nfl does not oversee the cheerleading team okay it's actually each individual organization and then even some organizations use a third party to kind of run them as far as like kind of an entertainment group oh, wow. uh, for the team. But like, for example, the Rams at the time, they couldn't date the players. But I think in the end, you know, the players and cheerleaders are either going to date or they're not going to date. <laughs> yes. you know? I, I don't know that it's a rule so much that, I mean, those should, those should be more adhered to in guidelines. Yeah. But I, you know, I think when two people meet, I mean, we've had, I believe it's at least three three four marriages wow. that have happened between um 
a Raider Etna player. I mean, you need and you fall in love. I don't, you know. Yeah. I could go down a whole rabbit trail of that because there's that show that's out that's like, I think it's Love Island where they put these rules in place that they put all these attractive people together <laughs> in like one island or one room and they're like, don't touch each other, you'll lose points. And it's like, that's it's inevitable that they're going to kiss or they're going to fall in love. So it's like, whatever. Like I said, I can go down a rabbit hole, but we'll stick to yeah. why you're on the show. But um, with the Raiderettes, the way that you're described, you've described it to me and where you're describing it now at the start of the show is that it was like magic. There was something about that time frame being in L.A. Um, and, and cheering for such for such a successful team at the time. So what was going on in in society and in culture outside of football that was um, like a big deal at the time? Yeah, well, I think that, you know, just at that time, the sports were, it was just so mm-hmm. big, um, you know, so so when I think about even like at the games, you know, it's like, I don't know, James Garner sitting on the 50-yard mm-hmm. line, that's pretty cool, um, you know, a very famous actor, uh, you know, that's where he's spending his time. And you had also other athletes. And I know you're saying outside of the sport, but but the, the connectivity was, you know, in the stadium, you know, for many reasons, you know, on the sidelines, you'd have uh, Magic Johnson, you'd have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you had Demi Moore, you had Bruce Willis. And at the time, the, you know, these were like the stars of stars. And for them to come out, come and watch the games uh, and be a part of that, just really, again, it just made it really exciting. Um, you know, at every game, it was like you could just feel the energy and it made it fun. And the fans were so amazing. I mean, they, they are notorious. <laughs> Raider Nation, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just a lot of respect um, what was happening. And I think that's just, again, a lot to the Raider organization, kind of what they stand for and what they're trying to accomplish. And I, and I, you know, listen, they went through some tough times not that long ago, hoping it all comes back. Um, you know, I hope Vegas is the right time and the right place for the Raiders to excel exceptionally. Uh, again, but I'll, you know, the biggest thing, my biggest takeaway always has been um, the friendships that we built. I mean, deep relationships, you know, the, we really spent a lot of time in our formative years, mm-hmm. you know, you're tw- in your 20s and 30s. And, and, you know, for the girls, it's practice three times a week, plus games and promotions. And we traveled all over the U.S. and even overseas. Mm-hmm. And those kind of experiences really shape you. Right. You know, what, what you experience, what you see, who you're with, you know, how much you get to know about somebody at that time. Uh, and that, that included the players, too, because, mm-hmm. again, it was just more of a fluid kind of relationship mm-hmm. um, across the board. And it was yeah. pre-social media. So you're actually en- yes. engaging with people <laughs> all the time. Um, what was it like um, internally um, for a female to kind of be under that amount of pressure to perform all the time, to probably look a certain way. What were some of the things that you learned and maybe some advice that you can give, even though we're in an ever changing culture right now, but to, to women that are, that are younger and are more body conscious. Yeah, I think, um, I don't know. I, I think it's maybe just a very individual thing. I mean, we did not feel pressure and I, and I can say that for kind of broadly as the group, it wasn't like, you know, you have to do this, you have to do that. It, it was really that 
and again, I kind of go back to the commitment to excellence, pride and poise. It's like, if you are going to represent an organization that stands for all those things, I mean, the players are going to be at their best. The organization, you know, is operating at its best. Then you yourself also should be operating at your best. Um, and I think that's what really kind of drew me even to the Raiders as a brand. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you don't think of it back then. I didn't think of it so much that way, but it's like, you know, there's just an appeal um, to say we're going to be the exceptional group. And so you want to bring your best self. And so you worked at it. And like for myself, I was an athlete anyway in, in school. Uh, as a matter of fact, we fill out this questionnaire uh, right when you, um, you know, before I go into that, let me just say this. For the girl, for anyone today, I think there's just nothing better than being your authentic self, mm -hmm. you know, to be comfortable with that. And that comes a lot from your family, right, and how they support you and let you be who you are, whatever that may be. It comes from the friends you're around to say, you know, I want to support you, whoever you are. And it's not about looking like a certain way. Mm -hmm. And I think society has changed in a in a really big way from the 80s, right? I mean, right. and I can say this about me because I'm five nine, blonde, blonde hair, blue-eyed, but I'm Hispanic, right? <laughs> so, you know, people look at me who sort of have a judgment of a certain way. Um, but I'm a person too, you know? There's like, it's bigger than just a look or a certain status that you may have. It's like, you know, and I feel the same way about people now and I, I'm, I'm actually really, you know, I guess moved by the fact that the younger, the younger the generations are, are more accepting mm -hmm. and it's okay. And, you, and it's not just cookie cutter. And I really believe the Raiders, because they were in LA when I, when I was there anyway, that, that, uh, they really reflected the community. Like nobody thought about, oh, you know, that's an African-American girl, an Asian girl, you know, it just didn't cross our minds mm -hmm. at all. Uh, as a matter of fact, I can remember <laughs> going into, we, we were all meeting for, I want to say it was maybe pre-baby shower when we were just going to plan a baby shower for one of the girls. And so we go to lunch and we're all walking in kind of roughly the same time. And we're like, hey, you know, it's like, what's up? And hugs and all that stuff. And unbeknownst to us at the time, there's these two guys having lunch. And about 20 minutes later, after we sit down, they walk over and they go, we need to know, who are you guys? <laughs> and it was like, they just couldn't believe like, you know, one beautiful girl after another who just had this glow about them and happy to see each other. And they were like, is this like a big reunion? And we're like, oh no, no, we saw each other yesterday. Like, it's just kind of the way the way we were right and it was very special and i think celebrating people for whoever they are where they are right. <laughs> you know and what they're trying to accomplish is is that's life yeah i mean that's what we should be doing and we've definitely yeah. come a long way as a society i mean even just with models and with mannequins like it's it's more like i remember i walked into a store and i was like wow a mannequin that actually has a body style like mine it's not like the mannequin's not skinnier than me you know and it's just funny because you don't i mean i didn't put much thought into it to be quite honest probably until you know you're in high school and that's when you really start to kind of be aware of like whoa my body looks a, a certain way and this person's looks different and then why don't we throw 
social media into the mix, you know, and yeah. fuel that fire. And so when when you were in your your twenties, it was a totally different era, totally different time frame. But I imagine there was still a certain amount of awareness because you are wearing a uniform on TV cheering in LA so it, there are some parallels but like you said we've come a long way as a society of more of um I should say body acceptance but also body awareness of being like this is just how I was made and this is how God created me and that's a beautiful thing and I don't have to self-deprecate or to compare and so I think if there's any girls out there listening some encouragement for you could be like you know, number one, God didn't make a mistake with the body that he's given you. But there's also so much more to you. It's your mind. It's your heart. It's the passions that you have and the pathway that you get to, to walk in this life. And it's a gift. And what you can learn from Denise and um, just her talking about the Raiderettes is there's so much value in surrounding yourself with people who are like minded. And every single episode I, I, I do, you know, the guest always brings us back to that. It's who you have in your corner. We're going to take a quick break to discuss Write It Down's brand new website. You can head over to widpod.com, W-I-D-P-O-D.com and see all the goods. You'll notice a banner at the top of the page that says learn more. If you click that link, it'll show you how you can support Write It Down. Yes, my favorite part about the website is the Wid Wall, which is a collection of all the write it downs from the show. This podcast is made possible by the 1513 Network, so show the network some love and support by listening to their other shows. If not, just stick with Write It Down, because I'm the coolest, the realest, the illest. Now, back to the show. Right before um, the game's about to start and you guys are running onto that field, what's going on through your head as, as a cheerleader in the 80s? <laughs> Uh, well, one, usually we can't wait for the flyover uh, because that military flyover, man, that is energy and it's like game on. <laughs> so that's, the, yeah, it's really, you know, it, it's definitely, it's like game on game, you know, you're just ready. And I think that's another part that, that being a part of a, any kind of sports team or professional cheerleading, you have to be, you have to be game ready. I mean, no matter what is going on in your life or whatever happened that morning, <laughs> it's like you have to set that aside. So it's kind of a good mm -hmm. discipline to say, all right, right now we're just going to go have a, an awesome time, you know, hope we win, hope we have another great win, um, and that is just a fun experience. Uh, so I, I think that's probably the biggest thing when I think back um, at those times. Yeah. I mean, and that's, and that rings true for everybody and whatever they're doing. It's like, you have to sometimes just push things aside, whether you're an athlete or a business owner or a cheerleader or, you know, doing a podcast, like when it's time to just do your job, you kind of have to put everything else on the peripheral and not think about it so that you can be fully present with where you're at. And that is a very good discipline. Speaking of business ownership, you moved on in life into a lot of different facets of business have gotten to work alongside just some really unique people. So why don't we tap in a little bit to your time post Raiderettes? What was your first uh, job outside of school and then Raider Nation? Sure. Well, actually, I almost have to step back in because there was actually one job that was really um, transformative in my life. Um, I was out of, I was just graduating, uh, but I had met Urban Johnson, known as Urban Magic Johnson, um, actually at the Raider game. That's where we first met. And we 
um, just stayed connected. You know, wasn't interested and it wasn't a dating relationship thing. It was pretty him being married and all. Um, but we spoke business. Um, I was an econ major at UCLA. I was just about to graduate. I had worked for IBM um, for a couple of years and we just really connected. So I also think about, you know, I'm really thankful for the Raiders and being a pro cheerleader to the connections you make. Uh, mm-hmm. Because, I mean, probably would have met him you know lakers were a big deal probably would have been it maybe would have met him but for sure it happened because it was he was on the field um and so we connected in a big way we'd have long discussions about business and and he had always wanted to be a business person and so you know one day he called me and he just said you know i don't know everything that i'm gonna do but i want you by my side because I like the way you think and I like the way, you know, I think we can do some great things together. And so for 10 years, we built, you know, Magic Johnson Enterprises, you know, setting him up as a business person. Because at the time, you know, not a lot of athletes had businesses. And so you Mm -hmm. had to kind of, you know, make sure that people understood, no, he's serious about business and he's going to do great things. He's not just an athlete you know, doing an endorsement deal. Um, so right. it was really, you know, fascinating to kind of walk through sports and entertainment, um, you know, with him and represent him. And I was actually still cheering for many years. I think like six more years I cheered after we started Magic Johnson Enterprises. So that was kind of be a unique wow. balance. That, and that's I, a big deal. That's <laughs> awesome. Thanks. Yeah, it was really great. And, and I think even when I worked at IBM, and I was cheering, it almost felt like this great balance, right? Like, you mm-hmm. know, econ major, UCLA, IBM, you know, Magic Johnson. And then it was just this super fun side to just go release and have fun dancing with people that I enjoyed being around and a team that I loved. <laughs> wow. That is a, that's a very charming season of life. So what were some of the things that um, Magic Johnson Enterprises did? What was your focuses? What were some of the daily tasks that you would have during that time working next to him? Yeah, and actually for for a long time, it was just the two of us. And then we had uh, like uh, an assistant who at least could answer the phones because the phones would just go crazy. I mean, it couldn't even keep up with it. But really, it was um, all kinds of things, really. He, he, he really diversified himself kind of from the beginning. Some of the things were like maybe something you would expect, like, you know, we ran these uh, basketball camps, and they were actually for men and women 30 and over in Maui, so not a bad place to be four times a year. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so he did, did a youth basketball camp, um, but from, a, you know, from more of a traditional business um sense it was about investing in underserved communities at the time so real estate um uh, movie theaters and it was really you know what i really appreciated about urban especially from the beginning is he really stuck with things that were close to his heart mm-hmm. you know it, it's like he didn't just go try and do everything he went what do i love okay of course he loves basketball so he's running these basketball camps you know he loves going to the movies you know does movie theaters you know loves helping people so we did a lot of philanthropic uh events for the united negro college fund you know big all-star games and you know it was just kind of fun to take some of and i always had all the girls come to all these events so i really felt like work 
it wasn't work, <laughs> you know, it was yeah. just like, it was just fun and family and people you knew um, who were happy to be there and support too. Um, you know, I don't think anyone was complaining when I said, you know, I need to make sure Michael Jordan gets off his plane in time and gets to the forum in time for this all-star game. Can you make sure they're like, okay, I want to meet also another great basketball player in the world. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and, and then, um, you know, just kind of went into other business ventures from there. And, you know, we always thought we'd be working together forever. Um, mm -hmm. But Disney kind of came knocking on my door. And I think it's just when you're kind of in a public profile, like, you know, you didn't have LinkedIn. <laughs> you didn't, you didn't yeah. have all the technology you have today. Um, right. But, you know, we talked about it for a while, actually. Um, and he said, you know, we, we can continue and do this forever, no matter what. Um, but Disney's a phenomenal entertainment company, you know, maybe go take a chance, take a chance at that for a while. We can always circle back. Um, right. and so I did that and Disney, you know, some of just the most talented people I've ever worked with by far, you know, at Magic Johnson Enterprise, we were a small group, talented, fabulous, hardworking, dedicated. Um, cause I even, you know, when he, of course his big announcement, um, having HIV started his the first time he actually had his own formal foundation. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the people there are just so dedicated. I mean, we raised a lot of money uh, to help other organizations. We were sort of a funding organization, meaning we raise the money and then we give it to great organizations that are actually doing like program work, uh, you know, helping. So anyways, great, great people, still friends today, still talk to them as much as possible. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but yeah, you know, having a career while you're a Raiderette is, is definitely interesting, but luckily you can do both. That That's sort of the beauty of it. Um, mm. you know, and that probably also, um, just kind of lit a fire in you to be a little more entrepreneurial because you can't be just pigeon held to one thing. You have to be able to balance multiple things when you're running a business or you're working alongside other businesses. You have to kind of have that mind of like, okay, I'm not just trapped into this nine to five Monday through Friday mold. It's very, it's more lucrative. And so you were at an early age exposed to that, which I'm sure helped you when you went into Magic Johnson Enterprises and then later into Disney. So your Disney time in life, what did you do? Um, just kind of give us a glimpse of your day-to-day -day life during that time. Sure. And I think what compels me to really kind of anything that I've done is I like to kind of be first. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so with Raiders, I mean, even though they had been in L.A. for a year, they were still new. Right. So that was interesting to me. Um, same thing with Urban. It didn't exist before. It was like he and I, you know, buckling down, creating Magic Johnson Enterprises. And same thing at Disney. It was what compelled me to go work with them. Well, not only they're a highly respected company, is that um, it was a brand new division uh, and it was the first position. So I wasn't replacing somebody. It, we were creating it. And so I yeah. think that creative mindset that you have to go into um, when something is, in fact, brand new is really just the most exciting thing to me. So um, I was director of marketing for a brand new division of theirs, and they were taking entertainment concepts and bringing them out around the country, um, more what they call location-based entertainment, so retail, dining, entertainment. So ESPN Zone, Disney Quest Club, Disney, those were the three big concepts uh, that we worked on. And I mean, still friends with 
the people I work there because at Disney, well, everything that I've done, I guess, I've never been a nine to fiver. Like, I don't know. I feel like that. Oh my gosh, at me. That traps me. If it I feel like hurts I. hurts my head. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> some, people, some people thrive in it, and, you know, and no, good for yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. But, for, but for me, yeah, you're the same. You, you can't. Like yeah that. no i can't yeah. sit still and if someone were to confine me in a space i'm just like shouldn't we be out there creating or doing something <laughs> i think it's my adhd that i just say is my creativity <laughs> well we all we all thrive in different environments right but, yes. but, but certainly and certainly like i i'm very connected with you on that like to be creative and be very fluid like you know you just kind of make things happen and when you're excited about things you just do it like i'm not yeah thinking about well you know, I'm talking to people in London eight hours ahead of me and I'm that's carving into my personal time. Like, I just don't let that stress me out. It's like, no. look, we're just going to make some good stuff happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For mm -hmm. a minute, exactly. I love it. 2 a.m. I have an idea. Let's do it. <laughs> yep. Same. Same. Exactly. So Disney was very 24 seven. I mean, we were just building and creating all these brand new divisions. Um, I was a spokesperson for the division. So tons of media, which I also did at the Raiders. They were very kind to us. So, you know, we'd go and be promoting the team tryouts, you know, a good cause, you know, whatever the case on radio and television uh, interviews. I mean, now there's so many other platforms. <laughs> I can imagine yeah. we'd be doing one every day, but that was also you know, really amazing at, at Disney. I mean, I just have the highest regard for the talent that they bring in and you get to work alongside. Uh, and then because my name was on all the press releases that we were sending out, um, and at that time, again, you have to think technology didn't exist to try and find people. Like everyone always wanted to crack, you know, into Disney, into the talent pool to recruit away. So Mm -hmm. Big time recruiters were calling and I just wasn't interested in, in leaving. I mean, I thought, God, it was a tough enough decision for me to, you know, leave for a while for, for Magic Johnson Enterprises to go to Disney. I'd gone, but I wasn't ready to go anywhere else. But they were also, you know, they make the cases very compelling, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was recruited away to work actually initially, not many people know this, but for Steve Wynn. Um, and at the time, he was the best and brightest in Vegas. Mm -hmm. You know, he was doing all these amazing concepts. And uh, then they got bought up by MGM. And so they were like, don't sign the agreement. We don't know what's going to happen. Wow. <laughs> um, I know it was really kind of crazy. But the, but the recruiter felt bad. Like, okay, who knew that was coming? Well, they didn't know anyway. A lot of people mm -hmm. probably did know, but on the down low that that transaction was going to happen. Um, so then I was kind of in my mindset already, like, wait, I kind of have one foot out of Disney. That's not like me. I can't have one foot out. So I'm either back in or do I do something else? And I got introduced um, to a really phenomenal team at L Brands. At the time, they were limited brands. And, at, and now <laughs> they're just two standalone companies, um, Bath & Body Works and Victoria's Secret. Uh, but at the time, they had like 12 brands, and I got to work with their company affairs division, which really placed me um, in front of all of the CEOs across all the brands for all of the biggest events. So investor relations, communications, and specifically at Victoria's Secret, you know, was the fashion shows, which were everything, you know, back then. Oh, 
and I worked yeah. with the CEOs and I'm still working with some of these executives that I, that I worked with there. Cause it's, it had been like 16 plus years, um, wow. you know, so start doing branding and communication, basically trying to tell stories, share stories for brands and individuals. <laughs> I am so glad you mentioned, cause I was going to bring up the Victoria's secret thing. So Victoria's secret and bath and body works. I, I learned that they were a part of, or they had the same like parent company and somebody told me, I don't know if it's true. And so you can correct me if I'm wrong. That's why in most malls they're near each other. Is that true or false? Is, well, am I buying into bill of goods here? <laughs> well, and even at the time when I was there, when I first was there, literally it was like 12 brands. You think Abercrombie and Fitch, uh, New York and Company, um, uh, Henry Bendel, uh Gosh, I'm going I'm to wow, forget Henry all of Bindel. them. I have a candle oh. from there. Oh, they're the best. Anyways, yeah. So, but, but so when you think about it in the corporation, there's a real estate team, right? So the real estate team has their strategy and they're trying to figure out where are they going um, you know, what malls, what locations, what are the agreements? And so that I think is the bigger picture, but then when it comes down to it, yeah, sure. That's why they, you know, they would be fairly close to each other in the mall or, or now where you see Victoria's Secret and Pink. Yeah. Usually those stores, they can actually in fact be connected in many cases. And then also, yes. uh, you know, separately, but in the same mall, you'd see, you'd see like literally 10, 12 brands structure. I don't know if you're, you're probably too young to know some of these brands, but, um, you know, basically it was all specialty retailing. Um, mm-hmm. They were experts in either building the brand or acquiring those brands. Um, again, a really talented group of people there. And it's really cool to see things go, they call it a vertical brand, right? So they go from, you know, concept to the consumer. So it's like they're controlling every aspect of that. So, and they would go out and travel the world and see, you know, this was also another kind of fascinating thing to me. You know, when you stay curious about places, like you gotta go out in the world and see how how are people living? What are they doing? (laughs) You know, I think it changes your perspective, your point of view. Um, And also having really diverse teams of people you know, and hearing their points of view to kind of make things better. God, I mean, it's so like I get chills just thinking about it because yeah. I live for that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, the the world is just so vast in creativity and people and cultures and also gives you a sense of gratitude for what you have and also a sense of gratitude for what they have and can bring to the table. So I love that. I also love um, just your story of just how it's all kind of one door has always led to the next for you. And that's just super cool. And of course, I love the fact that you're connected to Victoria's Secret. I think it's amazing. One of my favorite things about going to Victoria's Secret is when you see a guy in there and they're just like looking at you like, I promise I'm not in here for myself. <laughs> they, like, they don't even have to say anything. And that's just like my favorite thing because they just they are squirming and it's just hilarious. But one other thing I have to ask, and you might not know the answer to this question, but this is just girl talk. So if guys are listening to this, whatever. So Bath and Body Works, their um, lotion line, their perfumes, their body sprays. A lot of them similar, like look similar in their packaging and almost in their smells as Bath and Body Work. Do they have the same like distributor for their their products? You know, I can't answer that for today because I'm just not working mm-hmm. closely with the brand. But one thing that they really have always wanted to do is make it a destination 
that helps you make your home more beautiful. So, you know, with it's, it's with candles or body washes or sprays, they they want to be that place, that destination. And the creative teams that go into, you know, developing the products or identifying a product that they want to bring into the mix. I mean, it's amazing the hard work that they that they put in. But I'm not sure who. I don't think it's just one distributor, and mm -hmm. you know, and that goes really a lot to the supply chain as well. Like even for Victoria's Secret, it's like, you know, they find the best of the best, the people that are operating well, right, treating mm -hmm. their people well, and who are going to deliver the quality of product that they that they demand because the customers demand it. Um, you know, it's really, it's a fascinating process. I think sometimes, you know, you don't necessarily think, well, how did this get here? You know, mm -hmm. and why is it this packaging or this scent yeah. or this thing? Um, so I am always really like always kudos to the people that the dynamics yeah. of who makes it happen. I mean, I oh, think yeah. about, I think about that too, actually, even for the games, like mm -hmm. I was always like I was always friendly with, you know, the person in the parking lot who let us into the gate you know, to what sometimes we go up and say hello to the fans. And, you know, you're wondering, like, how did, how is this fan a fan? Like, what what happened even in their day for them to get there? Um, yeah. you know, my, my dream is to do a documentary about it all. I hope so. We've had oh some discuss word. preliminary so discussions. But, you know amazing. what I mean? It's like, how do people get yeah. there? How, what, what does it mean for them? And I think that's the case for everything, whether it's in business or personal life or your church or whatever community you're building, you know, what brought mm -hmm. these people here? And then how do you interact with them? And what is like something you do might be really meaningful to somebody, you know, that you don't even know a smile. Yeah. Just, it's true. You know. <laughs> I think of, there was this one time and I'm just publicly admitting this that I just had the worst like RBF at a stoplight. Like I was in a mood, like there was nothing that could shake me out of it. I was just like glaring straight forward and there's this car next to me and I'm like, don't look over. You don't have, like, I was just, didn't want to look at any human. I don't know if you've ever had days like that, or maybe that's just a me issue, but it was just mm -hmm. one of those days. And I finally looked over and it was this old guy and he put his thumb up like, like a thumbs up. And then he grabbed the corner of his mouth to make a smile to tell me to smile and Aww. I was like oh my word first of all I, I like used my middle name I was like Brooke Nicole like you're supposed to be smiling you have nothing to be mad about but I was just like wow and I'll probably never see that man again but he made my day and then it makes you think how many times could you be that for somebody else or or how many times have we needed that phone call or that smile or something to just kind of give us that extra bit of hope and I'm sure that the Raiderettes did that for the fans and did that for um, just the other philanthropy um, things that you guys did. Um, one thing I do want to ask before we get to rapid fire and our, and our write it downs where you're at today, if you could pick a point in your life that was probably the most meaningful and rich that you could go back to, what would that be? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> A thought-provoking question, I should say. It always laughs because mm -hmm. everyone goes, oh, good question. It's like, well, of course it's a good question. It came from Brooke. <laughs> um, I, I mean, oh, you're going to kill me, That Brooke. was hard. That, I loaded you I, with no, that. No, I, know, I but, went but, from, but, like, fun Victoria's <laughs> Secret to, like, tell me your deepest secret on the mic right now. <laughs> no, but, but it's I okay. Will, we I, have time. 
I know, but I will ask you to repeat it and I'll tell you why. I don't know why I turned off my notifications, but these calls block, like I don't hear you for a second. <laughs> so I want to make sure it's I heard okay. you correctly so I can answer correctly. It's okay. <laughs> I love it. And, and and if everybody's listening to this, you know, we'll do some editing and stuff like that. But this is the epitome <laughs> of what girl talk is. You're on the phone and you're talking about everything and then you get a distraction or a kid comes up or a dog comes or you drop a call and then you just pick back up where you left exactly. off. And that's how girl friendships are. Like you won't see someone for five years you're like hey how is that and then you just catch up so i will repeat that uh, question for you if you could go back at a time in your life to relive um because you've done so many different things from cheering to working with um just the best of the best the stars if you had to recapture one of those and relive it again what would it be well i think the most change making uh Mm -hmm. for me was meeting urban um Magic Johnson, because yeah. that transitioned, that transitioned my sports and entertainment world to a much bigger place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved the fact that, you know, honestly, you just said, I don't know everything that I'm going to do, but I want you by my side. I mean, wow, that's a powerful statement for somebody to say. And I think that gives you, you know, it gave me confidence um, to go, yeah, we can make great stuff happen and and i think that that was probably what i would say from my more adult life um you know that moment from my childhood um i I mean i'm just so blessed to have amazing parents and amazing family we're fifth generation californian we're really tight and um they gave me a twin sister (laughs) so i got to also live my life from day one with somebody who i was so connected to and i think it's it's really special it's funny though people say well what's it like being a twin i go i don't know what it's like to not be a twin right right (laughs) it's like but to have somebody we're very very close and close with both our younger brother too but to have somebody sort of by your side is really they're like there's sort of nothing better than that in life so my younger self my twin sister my older self uh urban and then i would say throughout my life since 1984 with the raiderettes is is having all those girls by your side because we really are uh by each other's side i mean we when we met the original raiderettes from 1961 those that are still with us and many are um you know, you also kind of go, God, there's this rich history, you know, mm-hmm. we're, you know, sort of as they make that, you know, make that statement on the shoulders of, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, and, and those girls still sparkle to this day. And the fans go bananas when they, you know, the original, like, it's just the coolest thing. And to know that you're a part of that and carrying on the tradition. And of course, the new squad, you know, carrying on the tradition. And, you know, there's 600 plus of us that are very close, stay connected and really, really uh, support each other. Wow. Denise, you've had such a rich life, such a fun life, uh, very impactful. Um, You really do spread joy wherever you go. And it doesn't surprise me that Magic Johnson approached you and said that because from what I hear about you and even what you shared on the show of your heart is who wouldn't want you by their side to, to journey through life. So you have an impact, and I'm so glad that you came on the show. But before I let you go and get to your write it down, I got to ask you a few rapid fire questions. 
Um, something from the eighties you wish would come back. It could be music. It could be style. It could, it could be anything, but something that you're like, man, this generation's missing out. (laughs) Well, music, I think throughout, uh, for sure. But I also think there was just a really cool sense of freedom, uh, to be, Mm. you. it was a very expressive time. So through music, through things that you were doing, I, I, you know, skateboarding. Are you kidding? I wish I could still skateboard. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. I love that. Freedom. Everybody wants freedom. Favorite TV show? Of all time or when I was a Mm -hmm. kid? Let's just say of all time. Ooh. I still think I'm going to go back to childhood, though. I think the Brady Bunch. The Brady Bunch. Oh, I love the Brady Bunch. It was just—it was one of those, you know, we all sat down as kids. It was like the last show we could watch before bedtime. Yes, (laughs) and I think family. Yeah. That's so funny that you say before bedtime, mine was Wheel of Fortune. I knew when Wheel of Fortune was over, I had to go to bed and I was always bummed. But I was like, but it's past a Jack and Vanna White. But that's hilarious. Okay. Something all girls should know about fashion. Oh, Wear what looks best on you. I like that. I like that. I've also heard advice. Don't leave the house without mascara. You look like you're tired. <laughs> um, that, I don't know that, if that's true. I've left too, But I've never been a, tre- I've never been a trendy, you know, like I don't yeah. follow trends in that sense. I always just think like there's some, you know, whatever looks good on you and you wear it yes. because, you know, I just think you're, you, you stand up a little taller and you just go conquer yes. whatever you're about to do if you feel uh-huh. that way. Yeah. I'm like a hand-me-down queen. Like if somebody has a hand-me-down, I treat it like it's the newest thing I've ever had. I'm like, oh, gosh, I, can't believe- I love it. But there is something to be said is sometimes I'll wear clothes that my friends have. And I'm like, this doesn't look like Brooke. This is not a Brooke outfit. We're taking this off now. I still wear turtlenecks in the winter. Okay. Plants or pets? Oh, pets. Pets. Do you have pets? I don't my own mostly because up until of course these crazy times we've been in lately um i, I was on the road quite a bit yeah but yeah. i'm a great dog sitter to elvis a pug from a fellow raiderette and my niece who lives really close to me um she has a white pomeranian bear and i just couldn't love them more <laughs> i Cute. just yeah love 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 Doggies, i love that yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm the same. I don't have an animal of my own because I'm always gone and I can't just run home to let a dog out. That's just not the way my life or brain works, but I dog sit and I'm pretty good at it. So yeah. we'll put on. that on a resume. All right. Last <laughs> little one. <laughs> last little one. Put that on LinkedIn before you write it down. Chai tea or a caramel latte? Chai tea. I do love chai tea. So good. Hot or iced? Hot. I've never even tried ice, but I should. It's a game changer. It's actually really good, especially when it's really hot outside and you don't want like iced coffee or like uh, even just water doesn't sound the best to you. It's like, you know what? A cold chai tea latte is really good. Mm. Um, Okay. So we are (laughs) so good. Put it on the list. Um, What is your write it down? This is a big moment. I know you have one. You've been preparing for it. I'm so excited to hear your words of wisdom. So Denise... What is your write it down? It's so sweet. Okay, so I think going with the theme of maybe this whole conversation is my write it down is be a cheerleader to yourself 
and to others. I love that. Because you can't love others if you don't love yourself. <laughs> so that is good. Denise Villanueva, thank you so much for joining the show and supporting me and just being a good new friend to me. I appreciate it. We'll definitely stay connected. I love what you're doing. Keep on, girl. I'm a cheerleader for you, too. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for listening to the Write It Down podcast. This podcast is a part of the 1513 Network. You can catch a variety of shows on their website, 1513.com. If you enjoy listening to Write It Down, please subscribe, share with your friends, and if there's any ink left in your pen, write a review. For more content, follow the fun on Instagram by following at W-I-D-P-O-D. That spells WIDPOD. Super cool. Stands for Write It Down Podcast, but it's abbreviated to WIDPOD. Anyways, thanks for listening, and we will catch you later.